Hello and welcome to Dizzle. I'm Dennis Nate's set the scene. It's late in the week. Where are we? What are we doing? We are sitting in front of uh, this luxurious pool in Ibiza Villa, yep. surrounded by the Melbourne Demons support network that we've accumulated in the past week at a very fancy, very wonderful, beautiful wedding in Mallorca. Right. Yeah. Pretty cooked after a long week. Slightly. So regular listeners might be wondering why this has come out on Friday in Melbourne. We were basically too hungover to do it at any other point in the week. <laughs> yeah. But here we are, here we are. And like Nita said, we have some new faces in the podcast team, kind of freshening things up. I'd suggest almost like the Jay Kennedy Harris of the Melbourne team. Mm, just throw them in there. Throw them the in there. See how you know, they it's go. late in the season. The yeah. season's off the rails anyway. Exactly. Um, but welcome to the podcast. First, Will Rogers. Hello. Thanks. No, it's a pleasure to be here. I I've don't think a... his name is Will Rogers. Yeah, you've, you've, Will... Missed, you've missed it slightly. It's actually yeah. Will Richards. <laughs> I was going to let you off the hook there. But it's, it's nice to know that you know who our guest presenters are. We've really are. gone to it's the really bottom exciting. of the barrel, don't we? They don't even yeah. get the dignity of your last no, name. No, they don't. So Will Richards is joining us Will today, which is Richards. very exciting. Will Richards, a long t- long-time listener of the Dear Leader podcast. Long-time listener, long-time Days fan. Long-time Days fan. Pleasure to be here. And, of course, Mr. Tom Minifee, who's actually a long-time listener. One of the most dedicated supporters of the podcast. Yes, and for all of you out there um, seeing the works of Richard Minifee on our <laughs> Facebook page, uh, Tom Minifee is a descendant of Richard Minifee, which is why he's been <laughs> welcomed into our podcast bunker. That's right, that's right. Um, so, team, it's been a pretty grim season, but the one thing that's been nice about this week is we have the highest concentration of Melbourne fans in the one place I've ever seen. It was extraordinary. We literally went to a wedding and everybody there was a D supporter. And everybody was in grieving and mourning. Exactly, exactly. And because it was such a big week, we've been watching the game kind of like a quarter a day, uh, which has, I think, dulled the pain a little bit. Um, yeah, we're ripping a Band-Aid off extremely slowly. Yes. Yeah. So late in the week, we're not going to spend too much time talking about that garbage, but Will, why don't you give us a bit of a takeaway from the game? What stood out for you? Uh, look, I, I thought it was a really disappointing performance um, at the start. I was pretty excited. I thought our first two quarters were quite strong. And then, as you guys would know, because you tried to avoid watching the last half because we attended (laughs) this beautiful wedding in Mallorca, um, the last half was shocking. I thought we showed the lack of guts that we've demonstrated all season. And for me, it was one of the most disappointing performances of the year because we got out so strong. St Kilda's a team that we've been comfortably above for the last couple of years. And I was really sad to see us just sort of let that one go. Three goals to memory. Yeah, he kills back. us. He kills, uh, us. He kills every us every time. time. We are just promoting his career. He must just be seen as this absolute god, uh, you know, in the eyes of the St Kilda coaching staff against us. Yeah. He's unbeatable. It's really poor. But I have to say, a lot of Melbourne fans I noticed on, on a lot of these Facebook pages and such were really upset about the game. I didn't find it to be surprising at all. Did, did you guys mm. find it surprising? No, not particularly. Well, St Kilda's a better team than us this, this year. Yeah, this the end quicker, of the season. The, yeah. yeah, yeah. Quicker, the faster, in the mids. In the mids and, um, yeah, they're just a better team. Yeah. See, what I, what I, I agree with that, but what disappoints me the most is that I've, and I think a lot of D's supporters are in this boat, I've had a constant faith that eventually our team will click and we'll get to full strength or close to full strength and suddenly mm. we will start to look like we're the team that we were at the end of last year. And I think this game was a real example of we had a nearly full-strength team. Everyone was... We've, we've had a couple of close losses. We're playing an opposition which is objectively weak. 
and we just couldn't do it. It was it was one of the biggest reality checks I've had all year, and I'm I'm sad. The pace in which they got away from us in that last quarter, mm-hmm. you know, we were it was neck and neck, and then all of a sudden they're out to a 19 point lead, and the game's over. Yeah. I think was quite quite stunning. Yeah. yeah. But I think I think the game was misleadingly close. I mean, they won the inside fifties mm. by a massive amount. Mm. They yeah. peppered some yeah. of their shots this, at goal, didn't they? Yeah. They did, and that's yeah. that's the saddest part is they did win the inside fifties by a massive amount, and it was misleadingly close. This is a team that we should be beating by forty points. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. with the talent on the list. Yeah. Yes. Well, so here's the question for you guys then. So Ruzi came out on Monday and on the couch and basically was pretty aggressive. A very valid point. Very aggressive. And he was basically like, look, with this list, it is just unacceptable to be finishing this low, notwithstanding the injuries. How do you guys feel about that? Do you think that the injuries this year are a legitimate, like sort of present some type of legitimate hall pass, if you will, for what's happened? I do. But I also think that Ruse made another really good point in that same segment of we don't have a brand. Yeah. What is our brand? Yeah. When Ruse came in, it was defensive. So let's restructure the defense. Let's make that really strong, even though we had no solid backline whatsoever. And we've got in you know a couple of great players who, through injury, haven't been able to perform. Um, and then last year was our contested possession. Yeah. And, and our attacking play. And our, yeah. And our scoring team in the comp. Yeah. And, yeah, and, and our percentage, what we're, you know, whopping 40% down on what we were. It's What's, extraordinary. Yeah. We just can't move the ball. What are we good at? Yeah, I agree with that. There is no distinct Melbourne brand at all. It just feels mm. like we look slow, we can't spread, we can't really, we get punished on turnovers, and our then skill, on top of that, our, our skill our, level is so bad. So so by foot, we have gone from a solid team to just by far the worst in, in the comp. We, yeah. had, we had 84 points against us on turnovers against St Kilda. That's extraordinary. Which is just yeah, it And it's not like they're yeah. like a wonderful kicking team, no. right? Like this is yeah. St Kilda, right? They're one like, of the worst kicking teams in the comp. Yeah, yeah, this is not Hawthorne during like the Clarko, you know, golden years, right? Where they're just elite kicks all around. This is quite appalling. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And it probably really has to be fixed through some recruitment. Um, I mean, there's some talk that we're chasing Brad Hill, thank God, finally. But apparently we don't have enough room in the salary cap, potentially, to make the play. Mm. What do you guys think about that? Where is the money in the salary cap going, exactly? Steve May. Lever. Steve May and Lever. Yeah. 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 We don't have a single A grader, I'd say, other than Max Gorn, maybe Clayton Oliver on the list. Yeah. We shouldn't be having some desperate salary cap squeeze that we can't even fit in Bradley Hill, I think. I think so It seems to me like we're probably mismanaging something along the way. I agree. Compare us to a team like Geelong, who... Chase stars, but never ever pay a cent over what they're worth, and they attract people based on the culture of the club. Mm. Exactly. We've we've had two years in a row where we've chased stars, trying to fill legitimate holes in our team, and we've got them. But I think we've probably stumped up huge money for unproven players. Like, but May and Lever are both great players, and I I personally have a lot of faith in them. But I don't know if it's the same as chasing a Brad Hill, and also primary. Backline talent, yeah. you know, like you win games of footy by kicking goals, and sure you can shore up your defence, but at the end of the day, you have to get the ball forward and get it through the big sticks. And I don't think, yeah, we've obviously got massive holes there. Yeah, and getting even if we do get Brad Hill or Langton, we're not going to win a premiership next year with no. that mix with that forward line. No, I just I can't see not it. At all. I mean, 
Wiedemann's now out for the rest of the year. I mean, maybe he can have a good start to next year, but he's still a very developing player who hasn't done a huge amount. Yeah, yeah he's a work in progress. I do think that, look, I mean... The starting point is let's try and get some elite kicks into the team. So Bradley mm. Hill is a definite good yeah. starting point. Yeah, he'll improve it. He'll definitely improve it. And Langdon will improve the speed part of it. I'm not sure about the kicking part, but yes. he seems to me yeah. to be sort of like a, you know, an upgraded version of Jaden Hunt. But maybe and, that's and just Jordan like... Lewis. He's, he's our new Jordan Lewis, I think. Langdon is our new Jordan I, Lewis. I, I love Langdon. In terms of speed, I... Just that I think he's going to be... <laughs> An amalgamation of Jaden Hunt and Jordan Lewis. That is a bizarre combination <laughs> that you are putting forward there, Will. <laughs> that is hilarious. But look, I mean, that's a starting point, right? These players can't hurt the team. I mean, whether or not they'll drastically improve it is remains to be seen. But I think that that's a start. The question is, what do we sacrifice in exchange for that? Well, for who? Langdon or Hill? Well, I mean, either or both. Well, I mean, Hill, they're going to ask for a lot. Yeah, he's under contract. We're not going to give pick two or pick three or whatever it is we get no. for him. But we'd have to give a top 20 pick, minimum. I mean, he's, he's one of the better better wingmen in the comp, you have he to say. Runs he's all been day. consistent. He's yeah. done it for years. Have we got two top 20s based on where we are now? I think we will. I think, yeah. got... I think we'll probably have two in, I don't know, 20s yeah. or so. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll have some, some room. The question is how much we want to use up. Mm. And what mm. about the salary cap issue then? And this brings us to the Nathan Jones predicament that we're in at the moment. Right, right. Well, what do you guys think about that? So the the reporting came out that Jones was only offered, I think it was 250000 on a one-year deal for next year, um, which is well below the average for an AFL player. Do you guys think that was an insulting offer? Or was that fair game? I think it's both. I think it's a mm. it's a slap in the face for a Melbourne veteran, but I can see why it was made. I think chatting chatting to Needs earlier, um, she made the point that he was probably overpaid for a few years previous and has now received a, a low ball offer. I whether that's the club trying to give him a message of pushing him out. Kieran, you, you, know? you thought it was you thought it was fair game, didn't you? I think they are trying to push him out without cutting him. Mm. I think they're trying to avoid the James McDonald thing from a few years back. God, yeah. where, and the fans hated it and you know, whether or not it's the right call, it didn't play well. I think it's a very dangerous move to try and muscle out Nathan. Yeah. I, I think personally though that Nathan Jones and Jordan Lewis have a place next year based on their leadership on field which I just don't think we have through any other players. Yeah. I'm not sure what you guys think about that, but... I mean, I think I, Jordan Lewis is done at the end of the yeah. season. I think by his own admission, he's probably done because mm. he just can't run out a game like he used to be able to. Yeah. Jones is the difficult one. That's yeah. the part that makes... Yeah. That, because Jones has awkward. not been terrible. No. Mm. He's been adequate. A, a lot of our players have been poor. Right. And nobody else is future. really like... You know, crashing down the door, being like, "I need to take his position," right? Like, he's not keeping anyone else out of the team. No, but the, because the team is doing so poorly overall, though, I do think you know, as I was saying to Tom earlier, I do think that you do come to a point where he was being overpaid for a very significant amount of time. So, you know, similar to like the Daisy Thomas situation at Carlton, right? Like he was being overpaid for a very long time, and now he gets to stay on the list, but at a, at a very, very substantially reduced, you know, wage, and that's just sort of the way that it works. I don't know. Maybe this is very free market of me, but that's how I feel about it. Yeah, completely. I mean, he's had a great run and in some yeah. ways he's, he's benefited being at a poor club. Completely. In his career. You know? Completely. Yeah. Yeah. And I think now the time's to move on because 
I don't know, I don't think we're that close to a premiership. And so if the idea is we should keep him on because we don't want him to be cut before we get success, I don't think we're going to get success next year. I think we're still a couple of years of build away. Um, and I think we need some younger players in the middle. Like, you know, yeah. he's just not the pace. Um, but I wanted to ask you guys about Simon Goodwin, who's a, a regular theme on this podcast. <laughs> um, and we've probably been a bit of a minority opinion. There's a lot of Goodwin, we say supporters, or sycophants. You would say group. sycophants. I would say sycophants. Yeah. I would say supporter. Yeah. Say supporter. <laughs> Give us the positive case for Simon Goodwin for next year. Look, I, I, I was running through it with um, Nate and Kieran the other day, but... I think that Goody has a very clear picture of how the club should be playing. And I don't think he wavers from that even when we're struggling. And that's that's what I love about him. I think he's got a very clear vision and a very clear brand in mind for the team. No two ways about it. We're not there at the moment. But we were there with the identical list, if not a slightly weaker list, at the end of last year. And I think that he may get us back to that point. And that's what I love about him. I, I like that he's not throwing in the towel, starting mm. to compromise. I think if he backs his vision, that's our best chance of short-term success. Tom, what do you think? I'd agree with that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that he he's equal parts frustrating but innovative in that he throws players forward. You know, I mean, Jaden Hunt's been a massive success this year. Um, Bailey Fritch over the last couple of weeks. Even we saw him. Um, we saw him trying Stephen May. I think it was the end of the Brisbane game a couple of weeks ago. Stephen yeah. May got thrown forward for the last ten minutes of the last quarter, clearly just as a trial. And Steve, Steve played forward throughout his school career. He only became a backman once he was drafted. I know you're on a first name basis with Steve, but anyway, I appreciate that. I really right. do. I, I did see him in the supermarket. The other day. <laughs> was he drinking distance. a beer? Were you the one who was tapping him? Uh, that's a fun in. Um, no, but he, um, he, I, I love seeing at the right times. Like obviously, if we were in that game, I wouldn't have backed that call. But seeing him throw Steve forward then is. I think the sort of innovative coaching that. But do you think Goody has places. any tricks other than let's throw the backman forward? Mm. That seems to me his trick. He's done that like with seven players. He's yeah. also bred us to the number one contested possession side in the AFL at the end of last was year. Was that him or was that Ruzi? Yeah. I don't know. I, I think that Ruzi, I think that Ruzi's legacy is pretty is pretty important to remember here. I don't know. Like yeah. all of that improvement totally. really happened under good under Ruzi. Yeah. And then basically Goodwin just like drove the gravy train forward for a while. Yeah. But then now look what's happened this year. I don't know. Yeah. I'm not saying it's all Goodwin's fault. I'm just saying Goodwin. I think Bruzy deserves a lot of credit for that. Yeah, I agree with that. Because that was Swan's football. Yeah. Really, that was yeah. bread and butter Swan's football that he just transplanted to Melbourne. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I just think Goodwin seems a little bit slow to adapt to me. I mean, last year he had that really interesting ploy with the eight people coming in off the back of the square and then teams kind of caught on to it. And then I don't really know what there was to replace it. And you look at our forward line, it's just been so bad all year. It has. And it doesn't seem to have been any structural changes. I mean, they've changed the personnel around, obviously, but it hasn't been anything particularly obviously different. Speaking of structural changes, there's been a um, constant theme in our discussions this week of, I think in the off-season, probably 22 of our best players need to lose about seven kilos <laughs> and <laughs> just become that a bit shaming people on the podcast. I love a little bit faster. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I think that we, we lost that advantage from having the extra man behind the ball I agree with that. by being tough and contested when a six, six, six came in yeah. and we're just not quick yeah. and everyone's caught up with us. Yeah. 
I agree. And, and everyone, lazy. That back running back. Yeah. We are not a good two-way running team, are no. we, at the moment? It's quite disappointing because towards the end of last year, I thought we were a really good two-way running team. I yeah. thought we defended really well, and our forwards and in particular pressure, yeah. defended really mm. well. But that's mm. just completely gone away mm. this season. It's so disappointing. I think it comes back to the skill. I don't think they've suddenly become lazy. I just think mm. our turnovers this year are impossible They're to punishing, defend against. Aren't they? Yeah. And players like Oscar McDonald, who last year looked okay, they look terrible because they get exposed. Yeah. Because they're not actually that amazing defenders. But And when our midfield is down, I mean, they just fall apart. That's the thing that's been the most disappointing for me this year is that our sort of brilliant midfield that we've invested so much in kind of has been made to look a bit slow, unskillful, and just all around kind of mediocre. And you kind of sit there thinking, we've invested so many high draft picks and so much money into this midfield. Yeah. And what has it kind of amounted to? Yeah. If our Rolls Royce fails, then. Yeah, where do we go? exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I don't know. It's just a bit, that part is like particularly disappointing for me. And that's why at the start of the year, whilst I was disappointed, um, it, it sort of made sense to me because we kept winning the inside 50 count, but mm. then just losing because of poor conversion, which is a real mid-forward connection issue. But recently, we've really been getting punished in the midfield, yeah. um, which has been a bit sort of a bit of pill to swallow for me. And I think we've actually gotten a little bit better up forward in terms of efficiency, um, but we Over have less inside 50s. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. So we've fixed one problem with another more serious problem. Just um, propping up. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think it's because the opposition started to read Maxi's? I think so. There must be, mm. yeah. Because if you were preparing to play Melbourne, mm. who were you focusing on? Who was like mm. the danger yeah, man that exactly. you put up on the board and you yeah. go, Who's your number one? Target, exactly. And it's yeah. like obviously gone. He's yeah. easily the best player in the team and he's yeah. easily the most consistent. So you have to invest all your energy and resources into that. Absolutely. And you've got to feel sorry for him. You can see the frustration oh, in everything he's he does. Building. He's just yeah. getting so frustrated because he's putting together a sublime season yeah. and it's just getting completely, mm. it's just all for nothing really. Yeah, it's really getting overshadowed, um, and I'm terrified we're going to waste this Gorn era. Yeah. yeah. Mm, He's the first mm-hmm. real, genuine A-grade player we've had. Yeah. Well, A-plus grade, let's be honest. Yeah. A-plus grade player. Yeah. Best in his position in the competition yes. yeah. in yeah. probably, what, 20 years or yeah. something? Yeah. Maybe since Nietzsche was prime? Yeah. 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 Jeez, it's terrible. As I describe him, the new Dean, to- new D- new Dean Cox, <laughs> <laughs> which he um, thought was an overstatement, but I stand by that, my position. That is an overstatement. It's, okay. Um, the Rowan Bell Award for Most Underrated Performance has been a particularly difficult week to award this. Uh, Will, I think you've gotten the poison chalice. Who do you think was underrated and played well? Um, I don't think that there was any underrated performance, but my standout was Bailey Fritch. I thought he put together a really solid game. Failing to understand goals. the purpose of the award completely. Totally. Showing a lack of knowledge <laughs> of the podcast. Well, maybe maybe we'll say then that the whole team's performance didn't get rated, but I thought that oh, I like was it. Just challenging the idea the of the single person who, and Max, outside of the sort of usual suspects, I thought Bailey was really solid and put, solid and put together a good game in what was just a really bad team performance. I am loving Bailey Fritch's last yeah. couple of weeks. I think he could be a superstar. Mm. Yeah, give I him, think give so him two as well. Years, he puts on a bit of muscle, and he may not even need to. His contested yeah. marks are incredible. He really flies, He's doesn't he? Silky with the footy. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think second to Salem in our team. I agree with that. And um, I think he could be anything. I love him. He's an unusual player. There's not many in the competition like him who. Are such good contested marks and are so mm. skinny. So scrawny. Mm. He's yeah. tiny. I don't know if he's like yeah. Gunstill or something. He's yeah. like, he's just a weird player. Yeah, he's a tough he matchup, is. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. But, brilliant kick. Yes, fantastic. Well, that's a nice positive note after all that. Um, Richmond. So, this, because we're recording so late in the week, 
we have some ins and outs to dissect. Um, so the outs, I'll read them. Um, Wagner, my boy, probably not his greatest performance. Neil Bullen, neither. My boy. You'll be thrilled with that. <laughs> Take my I'm eyes, not just not trying to ruin people's careers, Kieran, I swear. Just one person's career. No. <laughs> uh, he gives me this all the time, but anyway. Jeddah out with a knee. Didn't I'm not happy about oh. that. What's going on, with that, going on with our injury management? I have no idea. And Tim Smith. Out again. Yeah, you can't take a trick, honey. Don't you feel sorry for that guy? I feel yeah, very sorry absolutely. for him. What about the ends? Well, the ends. So we have Kyle Dunkley, who has shown bits and pieces, I think. He took a goal on his brother. I liked that. Yeah, he looks so great. Melksham, really. That's, great. Big. Oh, that's a big end. I just God hope he doesn't that. get yeah. injured again. I'm really concerned about him getting injured again. I feel like his in is the difference between us and a 70-point loss. That is, that is the influence of Jake Melksham yeah. in your mind is that high. Oh, that's big. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It is quite funny. It's a casual 11-and-a-half goal game. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All up the back of Jake Melksham. Guys, that is how good Jake Melksham is. Who hates that finishing. Is how good, exactly, who hates finishing and wants to palm off. Yeah. Speaking of which, let's talk about Petrarca for a second. Tom, you have some thoughts on this. I just... He's he's too unselfish yeah. at times, you know. He's um he's obviously a great team player, but he gets fifteen out from goal and gets a little bit scared that he won't slot it through the big the big sticks and um yeah and he palms it off to someone when he probably should have gone for the goals yeah. um to become to become that superstar player that yeah. he's, he's tagged to be he you, needs to stand up and there's that wants the moment yeah, yeah, that exactly. constant. Degoe-Petraka comparison, and you don't see Degoe making those decisions. He goes for it every time. The thing with Petraka is amazing at getting the goals you'd think he wouldn't get. Yeah, yeah. Like, even yeah, on the weekend, true. like that that shot he kicked, the kind of banana from twenty five, like a really Snaps tough shot. The on the runs from fifty. Fifty. He's an amazing yeah. set shot outside yeah. fifty. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. he is yeah. actually thirty five in difficult. Yeah. That's the he point. Struggles, and there's been a lot of players through the years who've been like that. Yes. So you know, hopefully he'll be able to to get through it. Um, and he's got the raw talent. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, I think we've really been seeing some of that X factor in the last couple of weeks. To be honest. Yeah. I mean, some of the some of the snaps that he's grabbed out of a pack and and slotted through have been really impressive. He's the same X factor as you get when Richmond throw Dusty up forward for five minutes and yeah. Dangerfield as well. It's that really solid, explosive player that can do anything. I agree. Yeah. And yeah, I think I think we're seeing more and more of that. Yeah. He's just He's got to lifted. get that tank right, though. Yeah, he really does. I would just put him in on a, on a treadmill for like, six <laughs> months. Is that how you think you develop a tank? Just by just running on the t- treadmill? <laughs> Clearly, I never worked out how to do it. Clearly. <laughs> Clearly, your tank is a very high quality tank. something else. He's someone who needs to drop the some seven, pegs. The seven kilo rule. Yeah. The seven kilo rule. <laughs> you could maybe lose ten, I reckon. <laughs> Jeez. There's a lot of fat shaming on this podcast. I really hope that teenage girls around the country are not listening to this. But anyway. I don't think that's our main demographic. Well, it is. Um, don't be a hater, Kieran. Proust back in. Um, Big yes. Which is good. Big I, I mean, yes. I love Proust. Guys, okay, can we just reflect on Proust's attempt at Mark in the, in the Adelaide game? No, let's reflect on his opening game. The Swans Swans game was brilliant. That failed attempt at a mark was one of the funniest things I've seen in a very long time. He's a cult figure. He keeps it entertaining. I I don't really care what he does. Who knows what he's going to do? I quite like Bruce. And Kennedy Harris. Just quickly, before we move off Bruce, do you think him and Maxie might have a weird little bromance going? Just I think they're both similar people. 
I pretty think quirky. Gorn doesn't know how to play with Bruce. I think they, okay. Gorn plays worse when Bruce is yeah, in the team. I mean, purely, purely personally, I, I just yeah. kind of see them as a couple of jokesters who don't mind a bit of off-field banter. Yeah. Well, I think Gorn was pissed off because he had no training partner. He didn't have anyone who could actually do ruck kid-outs against. He was stuck with Filipovic and <laughs> Max, Max King. King or yeah. whatever. So who? <laughs> right, exactly. Um, so, yeah, it's good for Gorn. I guess it's just giving Gorn a mate is enough of a reason to keep Bruce in <laughs> That's literally, that is how much Melbourne is willing to do. They're just like, we'll draw up something literally just to keep just you at the club, with you. Max yeah. Gorn. Yeah. It's like the opposite of the um, Shane Kirsten, Lockie Neal fiasco that's come out this week. Like, oh, yeah. Kirsten being forced out because Neil didn't want him there. Yeah. It's like, no, no, Priestley, you stay in the team because Gorny wants you there. <laughs> yeah. um, quickly on Kennedy Harris. Glad he's finally getting a go. Oh, he's been finally. dominating in the twos. He's been dominating for Good a long time. Good tackler as well. I like people who put on pressure. Yeah. Meant to be a ripping bloke. I don't, maybe he can save his career here. I mean, there's been a few players that have had a couple of good late games and kept themselves on the list. Famously, Jeddah a few years ago. Yeah. Mm. Nearly cooked and saved his career. Maybe Kennedy Harris could. I don't know. I felt he was really hard done by after, I think it was the Adelaide game. And yeah. I thought he played really well. He got he got a bunch of like maybe twenty two disposals and I thought he was really influential in his pressure. Um and then he got dropped the next week and hasn't really made it back. So yeah, I completely agree. Yeah. He's definitely not one of Goodwin's favourites. No. I don't think. Um, he hasn't got the Neil Bullen slot. <laughs> There's only one spot that it goes to Neil that has to go to Neil Bullen, doesn't it? <laughs> what is that from? Is it K's under the belt that he's running? It's or... definitely running. Yeah. That's yeah. It's good training standards and good running. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the game, Melbourne Richmond. Uh, what oh. do, do we have any chance? No, no. Do we have any chance of being within fifty points? No. Okay. The real question I have for you all is how many goals? Will Tom Lynch kick on Oscar McDonald? <laughs> what do we think? So we had a Richmond supporter who was in this vicinity just before who has subsequently left um, because he's off being smug about Richmond. But um, he predicted four. I thought that was really chronically I think under. That's conservative. Yeah, I thought yeah. so too. I thought that was undervaluing his output. Do we play Oscar McDonald on him or do we play Wheels? I reckon Wheels. Wheels, Wheels. Wheels kept Buddy to one goal. Didn't yeah. He? Yeah. I'd be with Wheels. I think Buddy kicked like seven behinds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think one that's goal. right. One goal. All that matters are the goals. Um, I would say we have to we have to play Wheels on him. I would yeah. like to see Lever take someone as a one-on-one thing, not just be an intercept player. Grass, yeah. I'm a bit over that. I mean, look, if we're going to spend two first-round draft picks on someone, bloody well play on a real forward sometimes when we need it. Yeah. You know, he's a good intercept defender. No one's questioning it. I but a lot played. of players are good intercept yeah. defenders, you know? Yeah. That can't be j- it. It's got to be more. Just Especially if go. you've got a stalwart key defender guarding the number one forward. It's easier yes. to take intercept marks. Right, exactly. Like Sam Frost. On. Like <laughs> Sam Frost. <laughs> exactly. Okay, so predictions? Give us some numbers. 66 points down. Ooh. I would say 50 points. 50 points. Well, yeah. I'm, I'm scared this one gets really ugly. I hope I'm wrong, but I think it could be... Circa Geelong at Skilled Stadium. No, <laughs> well, that is hard. I, I wouldn't be surprised that if they push us past the We do have nothing to play for. Exactly. We have nothing, nothing to, play to play for. for. They are, have got everything to play for to consolidate their spot in the top four. Yeah. They're in red hot form at the moment. Yeah. Like their players are back. That said, there's no Cochin in the midfield, um, which might make a difference. Yeah, and we've got milkshakes back. Yes, who's going to make a seventy point <laughs> difference, guys? According <laughs> to Tom over here. <laughs> 
All right, well, thank you all for joining Deluded again in this very late episode recorded with no microphone with, um, oh yes, would you say second string lineup? No, just, just some new faces. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, who added some <laughs> very valuable contributions. Hey, the time. panel, I think, much. is what you're looking for. The panel has added a lot. Thank <laughs> yes. you all for sprucing up the podcast, adding some real zest and some life to the whole the whole endeavor this year, which has been a bit of a lifeless year, hasn't it? Next. A little bit, yeah. Yeah. Your uh, zest on the dance floor was impeccable over the last few days. Oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> At least I had that. Um, so thank you all. Uh, until next week, uh, go Dees. Go Dees. Go Dees. Go Dees.